The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Good morning. Welcome this morning. For me, it's a great joy to be back in Chiang Mai. We've had a good time away. I'm sure that uh, some of you have been away for the summer. And those of you that stayed here, thank you for holding down the fort. And um, those of us that know the history of our church, that seems like every June there's this massive exodus that goes out and people going on to college and others going back on furlough and things. And then right around August, September, there's this migration that seems to happen. So um, if you're new to us this morning, we're glad to have you. And uh, those of us that have, are returning and have been here, it's good to see you here this morning. Uh, as we know, Pastor Tim is away. He'll be back sometime in September. And so these next few weeks we have some exciting things and different people will be coming and speaking the Word of God to us. And uh, I happen to be speaking this morning. Um, I have to make an apology that right after the sermon here, before the uh, second part of the worship begins, I have to go to the airport. Uh, Nok Air changed their flights from Chiang Mai to Udon. And I didn't know that because I wasn't here for two months. But anyways, that means I have to scoot out a little early to get on the next flight out. So um, what's going to happen is after I preach, there will be some more worship that will go on. And then uh, there will be some, there will be an offering. Uh, there will be some announcements. And then uh, Bill Clark will close the meeting in prayer. Okay? So if you have a Bible, let's look here. Uh, <clears throat> let's look here in Proverbs chapter 24. And um, it's a verse that I have shared a little bit while we were in the States, and it's something that's still very much on my heart. And so having coming back on Tuesday, um, I felt like it might be appropriate for me to share this word with you this morning. Proverbs chapter 24. just want to read one verse. Verse 10. Let's read together. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength... Is limited. So the title this morning is Strength in the Days of Adversity. This scripture tells us, just this one verse in verse 10, that tells us that if we are slack in the day of distress, that our strength is limited. It probably doesn't take us much to figure out that we live in a world of, of adversity, or it seems like things are just coming unglued, so to speak, around the world, and sometimes it feels like our life is like that, isn't it? The scripture says that if we are slack in the day of distress or in the times of adversity, that it's a good indication that our strength is limited. Jesus said that in him we shall have peace. In the world we shall have tribulation, right? Be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. And there's provision in the word of God that tells us that we are to be living our life by the strength that God supplies. Amen? Thank you, Walter. We're to be living our lives in the strength that God supplies. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where Paul begins to give this great description of the armor of God, he tells us in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His mighty power. Paul tells us that we're to be filled with all the fullness of God. And this purpose, he says, I labor and strive according to His power that mightily works within me. So I don't know about you in your life, but God seems to put me in a situation, whether it's a trial or a circumstance, that sort of reveals who we are. 
Well, we don't like it sometimes. But the book of James tells us that we're to consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of our faith produces what? Anybody know? Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Somebody once told me many years ago that as a Christian, you're going to go through some trials. And if you're not going to go through a trial, you're either coming out of a trial or you're preparing to go into another trial. (laughs) But oftentimes we don't like that, do we? But James says that let endurance have its perfect work in you. What does that mean, endurance? Some translations could could say perseverance. Others say long-suffering. But in the Greek, it means it's a word that means to stay put when everyone else departs. That's what it means, hupomino. It means to stay put when everyone else departs. What does the psalm say? A thousand shall fall by our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. You can find this word in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer there talks about this great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us. And he tells us to run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. We're to run with endurance the race that is set before us. And Jesus endured the cross and despising the shame. What it literally means is Jesus stayed on that cross when everyone else would have departed. Jesus endured the cross. He voluntarily stayed on that cross when everyone else would have departed. If we look in the Gospels, you can see that the centurion that watched Jesus die, watched him take his last breath, calling him, if you are the Son of God, come down off the cross. Mocking him. And that centurion watched Jesus take his last breath. Do you know what he said? This man is certainly the Son of God. Why? No one died like Jesus died. And every one of us, any one of us would have departed. We would have not had that endurance. But Jesus endured the cross and he despised the shame. Jesus voluntarily remained. So when the book of James talks about you and I as believers to count it or to consider it all joy when we encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith is producing that ability to remain when everyone else departs. I don't know about you, but, you know, there's oftentimes in our Christian walk, in our work for the Lord and service for God, oftentimes we're tempted to quit. (laughs) Right? In John chapter 17 is Jesus' farewell prayer to the Father, and He prayed... In that prayer, he said, Lord, I've glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou has given me to do. How many of you want to complete your work? I want to complete my task. The Apostle Paul said in the end of his life, he fought the good fight. He kept the faith. He finished his course. I want to make it to the end. I want to be able to hear Jesus say, when I get there someday... Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. 
So what do we do now? We put our hand to the plow and we keep plowing and planting and plowing and praying and sowing. And we don't look back. You know what happens? I mean, I had a little farming experience in my life. And you know what happens when you look back? You see all your mistakes. Number two, you can't see where you're going if your eyes are always looking back. But this scripture tells us that if we are slack in the day of distress, our strength is limited. What does it mean to be slack? Well, you know, a little note in my Bible says to loosen the hand, to relax the hand. That's what it means, to to let go, to, to just let go. And it's a sure indication that when you and I are going through difficulties... If we let go, if we slack our hand, it's a sure sign that our strength is limited or we don't have enough strength to make it through. Now, there's good news is when we are weak, he is strong. Right? I mean, the flip side of that is, okay, I'd rather boast about my weakness if the power of Christ might dwell in me. That's, that's Bible. That's just straight Bible. See? But the Apostle Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus in chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 through 20. In the middle there, he prayed that they would be strengthened with all power by God's Holy Spirit in our inner man. Man, there's some nuggets in there, folks. That God would strengthen us with all power in our inner man. If we are slack... If we let go in the day of distress, our strength is limited. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've failed to lean upon Christ more than I have, more than I could have, more than I should be. And I'm learning again that there's this divine person on the inside of us. Right? We seem to, we seem to you know, have some understanding of, of God the Father, right? We can sort of understand Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God. Then there's this third person, this third person, this divine person, the Holy Spirit, that that sometimes we sort of need a little bit more understanding of who he is and how he operates and lives in our life. And the Apostle Paul, you know, and throughout the New Testament, we find scriptures where it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. The early disciples, before they ever went out and did anything, they were in power. If you look at the commissioning before the day of Pentecost, Jesus gave them power. Jesus gave them authority. If you look after the resurrection, after he was raised from the dead, when he breathed upon them and the Holy Spirit came upon them, Acts chapter 2, the violent rushing wind that came in there, and they all spoke in other tongues and the Spirit of God gave them utterances. Jesus made them witnesses. We all know that, right? We all read our New Testament, right? Why is that? Because he knew that we needed the power and presence of God in our life. God's not some God who's far off on some mountain somewhere, right? No. No. Even in, the, even, in the, even in Exodus, when God told Moses that to can build a tabernacle and build it according to the pattern which I show you on the mountain. Why? Because I want to come down and dwell among my people. <laughs> I just love this stuff, folks. So what is it, or 
why is it that, that our strength is limited? Or why is it, what are some of the things that cause us to let go or to loosen or to slacken our hand? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I mean, I've made a, a list. It's certainly not an exhaustive list. And, and you can put together your own list as you're listening to these things. But I don't know what it's in your life, but there are certain things in my life that indicate to me that, that zaps my strength or that it sort of limits me or it hinders me or I shoot myself in the foot and I don't have as much strength as I think I have. And I get into this thing and I'm throwing myself headlong into this thing and I realize I don't have enough strength here. And it's those times that God says, you're right, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> That's why I'm here, right? The righteous man falls seven times, what happens? Gets up. <laughs> Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Although he fall, he shall not be hurled headlong. Right? All those good things to realize that it really is has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with Jesus. And I just want to make sure that we can finish our course and finish our race this year. You know, we've got a new year here for our kids going to school, and it's exciting to see all of us being brought here by the Spirit of God and our calling in God to come to this place, live here, raise our kids. Be a witness in this community, these nations around this place. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> it looks like things are going to be getting a little tough here before they get better. And I want to make sure that my reservoir is full. I don't want to be like those ten virgins. Five had oil and five didn't. Because the Son of Man will come in a day we don't expect Him to come. There's some things that make us uncomfortable when we talk about you look at Mark, Mark, Mark chapter 13, you can see. You can look at Matthew 23, Matthew 24. You can see these signs Jesus said are going to happen. And, and we're prone to be afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. He told us not to be afraid. And we see these things happening. I don't, and, and just, you know, I just want to speak from my heart this morning. Just think about your life. Think about some of the problems that we face you know, back in the States, you know, we have aging parents, and some of you may have the same thing, and you look at some of the problems, and you, and you, feel, you feel so, you know, helpless. How do you honor your father and mother from the mission field, and how do you do all that? <laughs> just want to spend another five minutes, you know, with them before you get back on the plane, and, you know, just those things. I'm sure that you, you understand what I'm talking about. And complex problems, you, you deal with people, you run into people, you hear, their, you hear their stories, and you think, my goodness, such devastation. And you, sometimes you feel so limited in your own strength, which we are. But we fail to see that Jesus is in us. We fail to see that the God who spoke this world into being dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. We fail to see that. That we are the body of Christ, the fullness of Him who fills all and who is in all. That's the God that we serve. And this world is running out of answers, isn't it? <laughs> it's running out. <laughs> and, you know, if you look at some of the, the things in the scriptures where the God of heaven is going to set up this kingdom. Right? That's going to consume all other kingdoms and all nations are going to flock to this kingdom. What is that? That's the kingdom of God, isn't it? That's what we're a part of. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them, my kingdom is not of this world. 
So you and I are learning to live by a certain different set of rules. We're, we're learning kingdom culture, kingdom rules, kingdom principles. So here's a few things that I think, and certainly not an exhaustive list, some things that I believe that could hinder us or zap our strength. First one is sin. How about that one? Sin. Let's look at Proverbs chapter uh, 28, verse 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Ah, we're doing good for time here. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who conceals... His transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Not just one reference to sin in our life. The person who conceals his sin, the person who tries to hide his sin, cover up his sin, will not prosper. But the person who confesses and forsakes them shall find compassion. The only sin in our life that cannot be forgiven is an unconfessed sin. Right? The Bible says if we sin, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we sin, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I don't know about you, but I have this little short list of things that I deal with. And God's very good, very patient, very loving. Show us areas where we, we need to get make right with him. I keep a little short list. <laughs> and going back to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where we're running this race with endurance, that race is set before us, laying aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily besets us. David in Psalm 51 said, Lord, from my mother's womb I was conceived in sin. My sin is ever before thee. Against you and you only have I sinned. And the scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, where we quoted some scriptures there, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And his truth is not in us. So Jesus has a remedy, right? Jesus comes in, sin goes out. When we're baptized with Christ, we are baptized into his death. Old man crucified with Christ. We've got to keep him, you know, we've got to keep him dead. Sometimes he likes to resurrect himself a little bit there. But those of us who are dead to sin, how is it that we still live in it? Romans chapter 6 is a nice little dialogue there. Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? Paul says, may it never be. Our old self was crucified with Christ. When Jesus rose up, we too are rose up, we rise up, and we walk in the newness of life. So I'm learning to safeguard my life against sin. <clears throat> I'm learning to safeguard myself. Not that we live in some kind of cocoon and we're so stuck in our own ways and things, but just trying to be mature. Trying to grow up a little bit. Holding myself accountable, even to other people. So sin can hinder or cause us to let down our hands. We don't, if, our, if our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence before God. So on the flip side of that is if we don't have any confidence, we don't, you know, if our hearts are condemning us, then we don't have any confidence before God. Right? Guilty conscience is the worst accuser. <laughs> right? For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So just learning to safeguard my life against sin. David had an antidote. 
Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Storing it up in there. Just keep storing it up. David said, I will set no unholy thing or no worthless thing before mine eyes. Put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lip. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil. Sin can cause us to let down our hand. And I don't know about you, but God doesn't let us go very far. As I said, very patient, you know, very loving. I think that without that, where would we be? But in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 13 tells us that there is nothing hidden from the eyes of him in whom we have to do. But everything lies bare and open before him. That's God. His eyes go to and fro about the earth, looking whose hearts are completely his. God has big eyes. (laughs) Nothing can escape his gaze. That's the God we serve. And so when God looks down upon us, he sees us through the blood of Jesus. He crowns us with loving kindness and compassion, the book of Psalms says. So when God looks down upon us, he may see sin, he may know it's there, but he sees us through the blood of Jesus. He sees us there, paid for, bought, purchased, healed, set free. And it's a process sometimes. Number two. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 13, someone once told me that if I read the book of Proverbs, if I read one a day, I'd read through the whole book in a month. Doesn't have to be a good, very good person to do the math, right? 31 days in a month, 30 days in a month, 31 Proverbs. <clears throat> I commend the book of Proverbs to you. It's a good book. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 13. Another area <clears throat> has to deal with um, not giving God's word first place in our life or not making God's word a priority in our life. Proverbs 13, verse 13 says this, The one who despises the word shall be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Proverbs 16, 20. He who gives attention to the word shall find good, and blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Giving attention to the word of God. Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 2. It's all in there. Seeking it as hidden treasure. Searching for it as silver. Lifting up our voice, crying out for understanding. And uh, we were uh, recently, this past year, reading through the book of John and Tim teaching from the book of John. In John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus told them about the whole idea of the, of the branch and the vine and the vine dresser. Every branch that that bears fruit, he prunes it. Every branch that's not bear fruit, he cuts it off, puts it into the fire and burned up. Jesus laid it on the line. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. I am the vine. You are the branch. In verse 3, he says to them that you are already clean by the word of God that I spoke to you. God's word has a, a cleansing agent to it. It washes us. If there was ever a time for us when we see the condition of our world, if there was ever a time for us to get in this book and read it and study it and memorize it and live by it, 
Not just being hearers of the word, but doers thereof. If there was ever a time for us to make sure that our strength supply is as full as it can be, it's now. It's now. And we know that we're in a spiritual battle as Christians. We are in a spiritual battle. And there are unseen forces that we cannot see. I'm certainly not blaming everything on the devil. But you know what? I'm not taking the blame for it either. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Pinch yourself for a minute. All right? Anybody in here not flesh and blood? <laughs> right? Okay, how about the person next to you? Just gentle now. Don't, don't hurt them. Person next to you, flesh and blood? Anybody in here not flesh and blood? Anybody next to you not flesh and blood? Right? Okay, got news. Good, good news for you. Stop wrestling with yourself. Right? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So stop wrestling with yourself. Will I ever be good enough? Probably not. But in God's eyes, good enough. Will I be tall enough? Some of those young people in the back. Will I be beautiful enough? Will I be handsome enough? No. But maybe. I mean, God thinks you're great and everything. I mean, we love you too because, you know. Right? Are we ever going to make it? Is it good? Stop wrestling with yourself. <laughs> because the struggle is not, you know, flesh and blood. We have enough, enough flesh to deal with, but... That's not really our problem. And Jesus, as we know, was a man, right? God in the flesh. And he was tempted in every way which we were, yet without sin, that he might come to the aid of those who have been tempted. We do do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus never sinned. How many of you believe that? (laughs) Amen. Jesus never sinned. Well, how did he defeat the devil? Well, we got a good account of it. Matthew chapter 4 was his, was his tempting in the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights. Ate nothing. He was full of the Spirit. Was led about by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days. Ate nothing. And when he became Hungry, the tempter came. So we know the account where Jesus just quotes from Deuteronomy. So Jesus defeated the devil in the heaven, kicked him out, kicked him out. Lucifer got kicked out, right? So Jesus defeated him in the heavens, on the earth, ultimate victory on the cross, done, disarmed powers and principalities. Jesus defeated him under the earth. Wow. Made a public display over them, having triumphed over them through him. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Now that is Jesus. That's Jesus, folks. He was the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Word as He spoke the Word. And Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So the whole, oh, this whole importance of the Word and, and getting in the Word. I'm just falling in love with the Scriptures again in my life. And it doesn't matter how dry it gets. It doesn't matter how dry it gets. Every time we read the Word of God, we are investing our life in something that is going to last forever. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words will never pass away, Jesus said. So it's exciting, isn't it? We get to serve God here in a foreign country. 
learn a funny language that we've never spoke before, right? Or attempting to speak a funny language or listening to a funny language, you know, eating all this, you know, good Thai food and things. But we realize we're in a spiritual battle. And Thailand needs Jesus. Thailand needs, the Thai people need Jesus. I'm trying everything I know how, and I'm sure you are too. How can I reach these people with the gospel? How? Yeah, we're making progress. I mean, we're, you know, we're seeing some encouraging things. We're not, we're not discouraged. <laughs> we're not discouraged. But I know the enemy would love us to quit and give up. He'd love us all just to let go, slack the hand, get all discouraged and, you know, lick our wounds and go home. And, you know, that's not God's plan for us, is it? Let the weak say, I am strong. A bruised reed he will not break. A, f- a smoldering flask he will not quench. Sometimes the flame is just a little, isn't it? Sometimes, God, I just need this fire to come up out of me, Lord. It's just my flame's a little low here. I know what that's like. <laughs> but he's not going to snuff that wick out. Man, if that flame is just burning, keep it burning. Put it on a lampstand. Number three. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 8. Proverbs 15, verse 8. Has to deal with the whole area of prayer. Making prayer a priority, staying strong in prayer. Proverbs 15, verse 8, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Verse 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Psalm 34, The face of the Lord is towards the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The Lord cry, or the righteous cry, and the Lord hears. And I'm, I'm just taking on this whole area, looking, looking back into this whole, this whole area of prayer in my life. Jesus told his disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not wait and tarry one hour? Wow. I mean, these are guys who stood with him through his temptations. Walked with him through his ministry. The hour of Jesus' testing going into the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know that that was a tremendous amount of pressure. I'm certainly not judging the disciples. I probably would have been worse than that. But Jesus kind of tells them, go watch and pray. Watch that you too don't fall into temptation. The flesh is weak. Spirit is willing. Flesh is weak. He kind of comes back and says to them after the third time he had gone over stones throw away and fell on the ground and pleaded with God to let the cup pass from him. Not, not his will, but God's will be done. Came back to disciples, you, you could not even wait one hour with me? Wow. Prayer, intimacy with God, drawing near to God. He will draw near to us. And I'm learning in my life that there's no limitation to the amount of answered prayer that God will give. What does that mean? Well, there's not some gauge up there. Ah, sorry, I have answered uh, 1,949 of your prayers. Done now. (laughs) No, God has an unlimited supply of answered prayer. The most important thing is to know Him. 
And then when we get out into these highways and byways, and we get out our places of work, and we're in there working, and prayer life is, prayer life is, is in motion. Life being filled with the Word. Spirit of God at work. Then things start happening. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Answer their prayer. Heal their land. So, prayer kind of keeps the tank filled. Prayer kind of keeps that power source activated in our life. One of the Psalms, David said, let, let the godly pray to thee in a time when thou mayest be found. For surely in a time of flooded or great waters, it shall not come near to them. I wonder how many things in our life could be avoided if we'd have spent some more time in prayer or kind of heard God whisper to us to draw close, get up a little earlier, stay up a little later, or draw close, pray for this person, pray for that person. I know I've missed it many times. But Jesus often went to the wilderness to pray. Often. The Mount of Olives was a place where Jesus would go often. He'd send his disciples away, send the multitude away, and he himself would go to a lonely place and pray. Why? Spend time with God? Draw from the Father's love? The world's a pretty wicked place out there. We need to come into the presence of God and get cleaned up and get healed up, get filled up, refocus our attention on Him, let Him whisper to us, let Him affirm what we're doing, let Him make adjustments if He needs to make adjustments. Prayer. Here's one. Let's look at... uh, Proverbs 13, verse 12. Where are we? Here we are. Has to deal with the whole area of disappointment and discouragement. Yay, yay, yay. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled makes it glad. Verse 25, Proverbs 12, verse 25. Anxiety in the heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad has to do with worry and doubt, disappointment. I mean, I've been discouraged. I'll, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody in this room that has not been discouraged at one point in their life or another. But sometimes that discouragement, we carry it too long, and it, it's like we, we let our hands down. And it's that hope that's deferred that makes the heart sick. Sometimes something in there, something in there was not fulfilled, and somehow we feel ripped off, or we feel like it just didn't work out as well as we thought it was. And what happens? Our strength is limited. It causes us to, to let down the hand. Anxiety. Jesus told his disciples many times, take no thought for your life. Do not be concerned. Wow. The Bible says to guard with diligence the heart. For out from it flows the issues of life. The whole area of governing our emotions, not being ruled. And, and those are areas in my life where I get tagged. Where I think, you know, okay, I've got to work on this area. Discouragement. I'm easily discouraged. I've got to work on that. 
Why am I even discouraged? Where is the disappointment? Where is the, where is the unfulfilled hope that's in there? And just do a little spiritual surgery. Let God get in there and dig it all out. Because he who puts his hope in him shall never be discouraged, never be disappointed. So I can trace my discouragement, my disappointment back to times I took my eyes off God. Put my eyes on a person. If you put your hope on me, I'm going to let you down. Right? I'll try not to, but somewhere along the line there's going to be a little something there because that's the way we are. We're just human. But God will never disappoint us. That's a hard scripture in Romans chapter 5, but it's true. It's absolutely true. God told Joshua as they were going to cross over into the promised land, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Not letting disappointment zap our strength. Not letting that being unfulfilled in a desire that we have. Letting God take it out from us. Here's another one here. Uh, Let's see. Proverbs 13.3. This whole area of our tongue. Uh Uh-oh. Proverbs chapter uh, 13, verse 3. Okay, here. It says this, The one who guards his mouth preserves his life, and the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 18.21. And I'm sure that you might, some of you that have read this many times, you could see it. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's look at two scriptures in the New Testament. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 has to do with the whole area of speaking wholesome words. Ephesians chapter 4, see Apostle Paul's words to the church in Ephesus, and he encourages them not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in verse 30, but 29 gives us a key of how the Spirit of God can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29, let, uh, let's see here. I could quote it to you, but I'd rather read it. Uh, Ephesians 4:29. <clears throat> let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it might give grace to those who hear it. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of your opportunity. Verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that that you might know how you should respond to each person. This whole area of our words, things we say, the things that come out of our mouth. Oftentimes we reap what we say. Our words are like seeds. I'm certainly not, I'm certainly not condoning name it and claim it or uh, mind over matter. Or I'm talking about confessing good things 
And God calls those things that are not as though they are. When God used and created the world, He spoke. And God used words to create. And you and I have a choice to make. We can either be positive, we can either define reality and speak positively, or we can make a choice to speak negatively. Choice is ours. I think I might have shared this illustration with you before, but uh, maybe not. Um, when we were living in Scotland for uh, maybe four or five years, missionaries there, Josiah spent his first five years of his life there in the northeast coast of Scotland, and um, every service or every month we'd have a family service, and the kids would come around, and one of the elders would you know, illustrate something from the Word to the kids. This one guy brings in this tube of toothpaste and a spoon and a plate, and a uh, volunteer comes up, squirts the toothpaste on the plate. Next volunteer, he calls up, gives him a spoon and says, put the toothpaste in the tube. Well, I mean, it's impossible. The kid, the kid had fun, had toothpaste all over. But it didn't go in the tube. <coughs> See? Same thing with our words. When we say something, it's out there. <laughs> it's, it's out there. It's either going to bring forth good things or it's going to hurt. It's going to afflict. It's either going to bless or it's going to curse. The book of James talks about this unruly member of our body, yet so very small, can set on fire the whole course of life. He talked about a ship with a small rudder that can turn this huge ship anywhere it wants to, and the tongue is like that little rudder. And you and I have a choice to make. We can either say good things or bad things. And my mother told me long time ago, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. So now my wife and I, we're kind of working this through, and Debbie and I, and sometimes say, you know, she'll say something or I'll say something, and my response will be, well, I'm counting to a thousand before I make a response. Think before you speak, right? Let every man be slow to speak, quick to hear. Slow to, or I say, I'm chewing my tongue in half. So I want to say it, and I can't. So we're learning about worthy words and speaking, speaking good things, speaking blessing over our lives, speaking God's word, con- con- confessing the promises of God. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I just want to put a little challenge to you just in this last point. If, if you have some circumstances in your life, start quoting the word. Start proclaiming God's word to your circumstance, to your situation. Start speaking to your bank account. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, it works. I am, I am here testifying. It works. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just applying the scriptures, staying strong in faith. Let's all stand here. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> we started off today by reading Proverbs 24.10. If we are slack in the day of distress, the scripture says our strength is limited. And so, again, you can make your own list of some of the things that you want to add to the list that I made. I certainly had more, but for the sake of time, I really got to go. But I want to pray for you, and then uh, as we go back into worship, uh, just let the Lord just uh, lift off from you some of those things that you might have feel as if your strength is limited, and let's just recommit ourselves as we start this year together 
There'll be many opportunities for us to serve together in this body, share life together. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this point in our life, our desperate need for you, Lord, and another Sunday morning, and here we are. And so, Lord, we, we just know that you've spoken to us today, Lord, through your word, by your spirit. And Lord, as we stand, we just make this place an altar before you. And we just surrender these things in our life, Lord. We don't want our strength to be limited. We don't want our strength to be hindered. We know that let the weak say they are strong. When we are weak, then we are strong. So I pray for my brothers and sisters today, Lord, that you would empower them. That your Holy Spirit would just flood into our lives. And that, Lord, you would just empower us. We just commit this whole time, new school year to you, Lord, again. And just pray, Father God, that you'd use us this year as parents, teachers, students, to walk out your will every day, Lord. Help us to love each other. Help us to be humble, Lord, before you always. God, as we make a fresh commitment to serve you, fresh commitment to prayer, fresh commitment, Lord, to your word, a fresh commitment, Lord, of keeping sin out of our lives, a fresh commitment, God, of speaking worthy words, Lord, wholesome words. Father, I ask you now just to take this remainder of this time that we have together. And Lord, may our lives be changed because we've been in your presence. As we leave this place today, God, we know we've met with you face to face. So Father, have your way. Lord, these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org dot o r g